Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. know what i'm not gonna get tired of that that (laughs) is some awesome whistling on another level crumbs folks this is dumby dum the show about the reality docky drummer that are centered on amridge in the heart of the millions i'm the touching tatar tate that is royfield brown and with me i have the dangerous discussion who is kerry warbis and we're joined by that negative natterer who goes by the name of peter fickling and the last part of this week's powwow, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum is from Jenny from Southampton. Now, Jenny, I'm I'm reluctant to retire that because, like, <laughs> most excellent, most excellent. But retire it, we must. So, Kerry, somebody would like to send us in a Dumpty Dum after Jenny's awesome whistle. How can that be done? If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 Leave us a message on SpeakPipe or send us a text message starting with DUM to 077-862-00690. Thanks to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Lucy B. Freeman. Oh, uh, right. Now, folks, I know you've, you've all been waiting with bated breath. I've, I've been festooned, inundated with, with emails. Royfield, I reckon we should do this for the 350th show. No, Royfield, you should do that. And um, so what I've decided to do is listen to nobody and go with me guts. I've decided to do something which normally I don't quite like. Have a dum dum talent show. 
I know you're all slightly groaning, but it's going to be fun. Trust me, folks. To celebrate our 350th episode, you can join us this Friday on Zoom. And that's really the more, more important bit, really. So we're going to have a Zoom this Friday. And uh, feel free uh, to bring along a little bit of booze, uh, you know, to honour Alice and, um, and dress up because <laughs> we're going to be on the Zooms. Now, things are going to kick off at 7 p.m. Uh, UK time. So I've got to remember that's what, two in the afternoon where I am. Crumbs, I'll be starting early on the booze then. And uh, we're going to be spending an hour in the company of Sonny Ormond, who plays Lillian, and uh, Michael Lumsden, who plays Alistair. Now, Alistair, Alistair, Freudian slip. Michael has actually said, hmm, Royfield, I should be able to do it but I do actually have some prior acting business, but I should be able to do it. And uh, they're going to chat about all things Ambridge. And of course, there will be the quiz. Now, that'll be the first hour. Then we're going to head into the cocktail hour, which is basically just an excuse for us to talk about nonsense and sing and uh, do magic tricks, I suppose. What, what, what other kind of uh, talents can people display on Zoom? Uh, any ideas, Auntie Kerry Warburton? Golly, <laughs> I per- dread to think, really. <laughs> um, well, whistling, there's that. Um, uh, playing an instrument, maybe? Uh, oh, impersonations of characters from the arches. When you That'd think about it, there's still a lot of things people can do within the con- mm. conforms of, uh, you know, restrictions of Zoom. So there you go, folks. Um, it's only going to be an hour. All right, so, uh, and... Um, We'll just have fun. I don't know how we're going to adjudicate winners. I don't think it's really about winners. It's more about just taking part and having a little bit of a lark. <laughs> so that's going to be this Friday. Now, if you want to uh, pop along and join us, quite simply go onto Facebook and uh, all the details are there. Or you can email me, royfield at gmail.com. That's R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D at gmail.com. Or you can DM me on, on the Twitters and I will give you the right credentials so you can log on. Uh, now, the dress code is Ambridge-tastic, so I don't really know what that means. But um, you either come dressed as a yokel or you come suited and booted and in your proper party frocks. So I don't know. Uh, and remember, the ball is closed, so you're going to have to bring your own. There you go. It's this Friday. Let's have a right royal piss up. I mean, uh, let's uh, enjoy ourselves. <laughs> and um, it'll be awesome. On this week's episode, we hear views from Witherspoon, Andrew Horn, Ed Agnes, Cranky Yankee, Young Keith. Young Keith is back. Oh, I like a bit of Young Keith. <laughs> so a bit dry and sardonic is young Keith Elsa and Pat Pat's a first time caller in but first it's a hot topic of the week oh yes folks top of the shop it's our burning issue of the week and this week it is, it is Kirsty. Has she fallen and hit her head? They're up to something, you daft cow. Now, (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't agree more. And I I don't like to be reminded that ultimately uh, this thing isn't a docudrama. This is actually, uh, this has soapy elements. And this is what this is reminding me of. Am I wrong or am I right? Pete Ficklin, you're up first. 
Well, if we're going to give her a sexist um, sort of slur, then I'd say dopey <laughs> mare over um, what was it you said, stupid cow. Um, she's not stupid, and yet, and yet, we as the listener are supposed to sort of like go along with the idea that this kind of French farce that um, Philip and Gavin are playing out sort of has holds any water whatsoever. I mean, Kerry pointed out to me earlier on. I mean, they, 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 she walks into the room, and li- one of them literally says, "Oh, you know, what did you hear? Or oh, you didn't hear me, did you?" So either Kirsty has but fallen and bumped her head, in which case I'd like to hear more of that. Um, what treatments is she receiving? Is she going <laughs> to, you know, maybe get in a car with a couple of Secret Service agents and do a tour of the village tomorrow <laughs> morning? Um, current news as of today. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just unbelievable. Yeah, how does she not not know something major is going on? I think. You know, on the Twitters, yes, I get that she wouldn't necessarily guess that her partner's involved with modern slavery. That wouldn't be the thing that she's probably thinking. Too cliched. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, everyone's doing that. That's just silly. But there have been all those signs in the past, the hidden laptop, um, Philip disappearing from time to time, his mood swings and odd phone calls um, snatched here and there. Um, and I just think she's, you get hints, don't you, that she's saying, sensing that something's happening. Cause she's like, what, what was it? She said, um, it was look me in the eye, tell me nothing else is happening. Cause you've been weird for days and you kind of think, yes, she's twigged. And then Gavin just says, Oh, I've recently been gambling. Yeah, and, they fall, and she falls for that as the reason. One of the reasons why there's plausible deniability with this storyline, and just and this is just the one reason that I can think of, and I can't remember exactly what the instance was, but many months ago, before the coronas, Kirsty rang Phil. Phil said he was somewhere where he wasn't, and yeah. he got found out. However, it was he was planning something for her. Yeah. yeah. So there is that little note in mind that, yes, he can talk his way out of things because actually there's a time when she suspected that he was up to no good and actually it was because he was organising something for her. Mm. Other yeah, than that, I can't stand what's going on. That's a, that's yeah. very good. That's a very good uh, recollection and, and um, um, point. I think I think that the, the problem I have is not necessarily with the plot. It's the way it's being um, portrayed. I'm not blaming the actors, but it's being played with such a light touch. So we're expected to segue from um, Gavin, um, and, you know, being super stressed out because he hasn't got the um, Kenzie and Blake sort of fully under control and how are they going to deal with them? And um, Philip's thinking about selling um, Blake. And the next minute, it's like a kind of like, um, what did the butler see back back at the homestead? And, they're, you know, they're sort of being caught sort mm-hmm. of in, in flagrante mid-conversation. It's being pay- played with a very light touch. And I think part of it is that incongru- incongruity between those two between the two scenes, I, I guess the editors would say, "Oh, but that's you know that's what we're aiming for. We're trying to show the kind of the, the light and dark of their life and how you know people can be unsuspecting at home." But when it's coupled with the sort of completely implausible um, levels mm. of credulity from Kirsty, it just it gets a bit too much. I think Gav is going to mess up though because he he was hinting, wasn't he, that he's struggling with the g- gambling story when he was talking yeah. to Philip um, and he's all fed up with the whole thing, isn't he? He's fed up with dealing with all the crap, as he put it. Um, so I think he's going to start to flounder more when he's having to 
um, portray this gambler that yeah. Kirsty's all over the gambling thing. She's obviously been reading up and keeps saying, you know, we'll we'll be here for you. We'll we'll work it through together. Could you play a, 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 a person with a gambling problem? I wouldn't have the first clue. Nope. I, I, <laughs> and having to remember what you've said all the time, I could not cope with lying in that way at all because I wouldn't trust myself to get get it right to remember. Yeah, yeah. And he did. He did sort of. He did throw himself in harm's way, didn't he, to protect Philip when he could have said, "Oh, actually, Dad's. You know, Dad's trying to look after me. I have. I've slipped again." But and then and then there was a sort of uh, and and to, actually the actors aren't doing a bad job they're doing too good a job because they are they are kind of really throwing themselves into this mm. and trying to sort of you know give it give it everything so you've got Kirsty starting to suspect something as you said then mm. all of a sudden Gavin saying well actually I do have um, a gambling problem and then Philip has to suddenly. Um, get on board with that so you so that it's kind of going left and right all over the place mm. and how how do you think Kirsty will cope when it all comes out uh, uh, back to tom maybe i don't know yeah i mean will she ever have another relationship again <laughs> yeah I, I, just try, I was just trying to think of the darkest possible future i mean, could, I mean and, and actually what what position is she can have in the village that she's the she's the person who got jilted at the altar by the world's dullest human being she bounces <laughs> back slightly and then she finds herself with a slaver i mean it's maybe that's uh, uh what's at the root of my rather pathetic and sort of a uh, um, needy hope that they don't that no one ever finds out and this is just a secret we have as the the listeners and i know that royfield always says that there's a it's a morality play and the bats mm. have to be found out in the archers but i think that might be if we if we're trying to put me on the couch that might be why i why i hope that it doesn't happen because i just don't think i can bear to see kirsty go through all that mm. so you you want the modern slavery to continue uh no there are other routes um, <laughs> They could, they could have a nasty act. They could crash a car. Um, Blake and Kenzie could turn on them, uh, Django style, and um, <laughs> gain his, you know, take his, you know, take their bloodied vengeance out on the Moss brothers. I was, I was hoping that because uh, they mentioned the new build at the Holloton or Holloton Junction, people in the vicinity because it's really close to Ambridge, as we know, don't we, Peter? Because we were looking at the map of Borsetshire <laughs> together <laughs> today. <laughs> Yes. Um, um, and, how do you spend uh, your day off, Kerry? Oh, I call up uh, my occasional colleague Peter, and we compare maps of a fictional village. <laughs> but um, someone on Twitter um, sort of poo-pooed my notion that oh, they're going to be spotted at Holloton. These, you know, really scrawny, pale chaps trying to build houses, and they went, "Oh, it's a closed site. No one will see them." But they'll have to travel to and from, won't they? Someone's got to see them. Just let me jump in just for, for one moment. Mm. Um, if you want to have a deep dive into the map of Ambridge, uh, Map Corner, the oh. wonderful podcast that I do, yes. with the wonderful Claire Asbury, is either episode two or episode three. Kerry Davis came on and he had a big hand in creating the map of Ambridge. And yeah. we spend a good 25 minutes talking about it. So Map Corner... You thought it was just all about latitude, longitude, and boring things like that. But no, we talk about the archers, either episode two or episode three. Get on and listen to it. It's about mm. the fictional world of Ambridge as visualized on a map. Sorry, as you were, you pair. 
I'm a big fan of um, both Kerry's, but our Kerry and I were picking some holes in that map. So I maybe maybe we could have a, <laughs> a you know a helping or useful word with other Kerry Welsh Kerry. Uh, there you go, folks. That's us, uh, the three dumby dummers uh, on your podcast have spoken. Uh, so now we're going to move on because we've got caller in us a plenty. Hello, Ambridge3962. First off, it's a new caller in and it's Pat. Hello, it's Pat from Leeds. First time caller in I first listened to The Archers on the first episode. I was five, so you can guess I'm quite old now. And I've listened more or less ever since with a few gaps where, where life took over. There seem to be four themes. Babies, so first Alice. And my worry is, has the hospital told her about the risk of fetal alcohol syndrome? And is that why she's so worried? Or is it just because she really needs a drink because when Lillian said it was okay to drink occasionally she just became much more relaxed about it and I'm wondering if she now thinks it's okay or I don't know she's really in a bad place um, Alice isn't she then we had the lovely conversation between Jolene and Fallon about Fallon's decision not to have a baby which I really hope the script writers let her stick to because we need a woman that's like that in the arches and then there's this sort of naughty theme. Jolene puts on this naughty voice as she's talking about S-E-X. So when she's talking to Lizzie about the nude pics and everything, she gets this funny tone in her voice. And the mm-hmm. same with the naughty milkman. And it's really driving me mad, the naughty milkman, like it is <laughs> most people. But the only redeeming feature is that we did get Jazza back. And it was lovely to hear from Jazza. And then there were scenes between Linda, Linda and Freddie. I really like those scenes, although I know from Twitter people don't, but I like Freddie. And then the Linda and Lillian. But I didn't think that Lillian chose the best image of Phoenix rising from the ashes. And then the last thing <laughs> is the Mosses and Kirsty, which I find horrible. And I think that Davin might not be quite as bad as Philip, but that doesn't mean he isn't bad. And they both have to pay, and they both have to really pay for what they're doing because it's hideous. And I particularly hate it when Philip calls Kirsty love because I just want to climb in the radio and hit him. Anyway, love to all Dumpty Dummers. I hope everyone's keeping safe. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry Kerry. I just, it's like Pat listened to the conversation we had this afternoon, immediately got on the internet and then called in. I mean, yeah. that was pretty much the conversation we had verbatim. And and sorry, before, I, before having interrupted, it's um, all right. thank you for rehabilitating the name Pat. For me, I now am able to think of Pat's as uh, lovely, intelligent and warm voice people <laughs> rather than vile harpies sucking the joy out of the world. But anyway, so thank you for that, Pat, as well. I shall start to think more kindly of people with that name. Oh, and she's from Leeds. Hooray. Yeah. I'm fond of that particular part of the world. So she listened to the first ever episode when she was five years old and has pretty yeah. much listened all the time since. That's incredible, isn't it? It yeah. is. Brilliant. I was trying to think what, what cat character she is. Then she's a she's mm. a Peggy or a Phil. She's been in it from from day one. That is the Stockholmiest of Stockholm syndromes to be that sort of you know invested in the Archers. Mm. <laughs> and so yeah, all about babies. Alice, um, yeah, she asked, has the hospital told Alice about the risks linked to um, drinking alcohol? I mean, doesn't everyone know? Yeah, don't you think. 
I mean, Lillian was appalling, I thought, <laughs> uh, encouraging her to drink. Having said that, my midwife, when I was pregnant uh, with Max, my son, in 1996, she actively encouraged me to um, have a few red wines and Guinness and stuff. Yeah. Um, and she, she basically said that, you know, anything that helps the mother relax is good for everyone. Not that long ago that a midwife was telling me that. I mean, obviously, we were living in California when um, mm. our little boy was on the way. That was pretty much the advice there as well was sort of, you know, don't don't drink. But if it's a if it's a choice between being stressed out of your mind and finding ways of staying relaxed, then half a glass of wine here and there certainly won't hurt too much, which is obviously not what we're talking about with Alice. And to Pat's mm. point, I found my blood chilled when I heard the sort of the relish with which she sort of lapped up Lillian's advice. And and I've said this before, but the um, actress playing Alice is doing such a good job. Mm. But, but I think uh, one of her justifications is going to be exactly that, that she's just doing it in moderation. And I've been told that um, a pregnant mother can drink as long as it's in, you know, in moderation, the odd glass here, the yeah. odd glass there. And that's going to be her excuse, isn't it? Because as far as she's concerned, she isn't an alcoholic. She had this one episode where she fell down blind drunk. But other than that, she's a moderate drinker. We know mm -hmm. she's anything but, but that's what she's telling herself. Yeah, pretty much all the questions that Alice has been asking, um, was talking to Lillian about was, you know, um, will I still be able to go out and have a dance and have a drink? That was when she's a parent. And then it's like, well, what about now? Can I drink now? All she's really thinking about is the drinking. And when she was talking to the um, woman from the clinic, uh, she was almost going to say um, about the drink, I think, then as well, wasn't she? Pat pointed to it, and I know we're all curious exactly what went down at the hospital. What you know, was there a blood test? Who, how much did they mm. know? Was she this sort of stuff? So, do, you know, do we think that the woman at the clinic has has access to? Is this just the the, the, the normal um, uh, GP referral from being pregnant? And you get, you know, maybe she, how how has yeah. she been in touch with this person? I mean, did I miss That's out on that? That's a good point. It's a, no, you know? I don't think you did. I don't think we know. And and I don't think any of us from going on the previous weeks really understand exactly what happens when you go into uh, a a and e shit face. Pardon my French. Sorry, mm. I'm slightly inebriated. That was what she said. She said all the time, "I'm wanting to." Yes. And she went, "You're wanting to what?" And she just skirted round it and and diverted. But, and Pat did make other good points about Fallon and Jolene, you know, that brilliant conversation that they had and really hoping that that is seen through by the script writers, that Fallon can stick with her decision. She should have told Harrison, really. Yeah, that was the fly in the ointment. I, I don't want any more stress in the arches at the time being. There's plenty going on. So having uh, Fallon and, and you know, hopefully mm -hmm. Harrison will turn around and go, that's all right, love, I don't want that now yeah. time, or something. <laughs> um, apologies again to all people who aren't. I don't want to have that going on. I, I, and I really mm. enjoyed um, Fallon and Jolene's. Um, I thought Jolene's answer to her daughter's concern was pitch perfect. Yeah, it you was. It, it felt very, very warm and genuine. Yeah. It was lovely. The naughty milkman's driving her mad. Is it driving you too mad? <laughs> I've never wanted anything to end more apart from Pat's life. Not lovely Pat, Pat, Pat. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it just yeah, it's awful, isn't it? And Twitter has been a buzz. That's time at a time when they have a well-loved Burns victim recovering, um, a a poignant relationship with a younger man, um, 
uh, any number of things going on. All anyone can talk about on Twitter is the Naughty Milkman. You know, <laughs> and it, how much they hate these, it. Exactly. With all these other huge plot lines, the Twitterverse is obsessed with the Naughty Milkman, as in hating it. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, I think you, Pat, did a really good job uh, answering uh, all of Pat's points there. And Pat... We salute you. Uh, we're going to have to create a new category of dum de dum listener. If you've been listening from episode one, right, you, you are some kind of grandee. Give us, a, give us a week or so to think of a suitable title for you, Pat, but it's going to be something exalted. Uh, now, uh, it's Witherspoon, Upper, Lower, East, West Side, Boom. Let's go. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. What a long, strange week it's been on this side of the pond. To explain this is fully unnecessary. I had actually been planning to take this week off from caller entering, but after the discussion between Royfield and Peter about Gavin, I felt I had to offer my two cents on the topic. Sorry about that, Peter. Without reservation, I agree with Royfield. Now, I know, Peter, you're going to say that you specifically said that you thought the actions of Gavin were immoral, etc., etc., but you also said that you wouldn't mind if Gavin stayed on in the village. And on that, I stand with Royfield. No modern slavers or even junior modern slavers get to stay in our lovely Ambridge. As I've said on previous caller-ins, The Archers is like a Victorian novel where the evildoers are eventually punished, and yes, I very much include Matt in that list. The good people of Ambridge will eventually, and I say eventually, have happiness sprinkled into their lives. I know, big generalizations here. I think the Grundys still suffer because of the sins of Eddie and Joe. Okay, so we've learned that Gavin has a few softer, rounded edges and learned about the dynamics between him and his father. While we know more about what makes Gavin tick, his behavior is still his behavior. Thus, if he did have a come-to-Jesus moment and bigly turn Crown's evidence, I think all it's worth is a few years off of his own prison sentence, not the reward of staying in Ambridge. Now, if life outside of Ambridge was like a Dickens novel, our president, while unconscious in the hospital, would be visited by three ghosts, and the rest would be written by future historians. Ah, we can dream on. Talk to you soon. Ooh, right, boys. (laughs) With a spoon, agrees with... Royfield about Gavin. I was on your side as well, Peter, So, but he didn't mention me. So I thought I said very clearly that I don't necessarily want Gavin to stay on. I think my original question was, can he be rehabilitated? Um, And then Mm. we didn't really get into the conditions under which that might happen. I think I do agree that The Archers is a morality play and therefore he he will probably get his comeuppance. But also I think another point point I made last week, which kind of got skirted over, was that we have a very particular perspective. We know things that the people in the village don't. So his reputation could be tidied up from the perspective of the villagers without it being tidied up from our perspective now whether that's possible for Royfield and Witherspoon I don't know mm. but that was more the point it was not for whether we could forgive him or whether we could find room in our heart but whether it was possible for him to stay in the village and it sounds like Witherspoon doesn't see that yeah. being possible and I suspect I know Royfield's answer but I'd love to hear it absolutely not because this is uh as Witherspoon said he called it Victorian I call it a morality play at, at, at its core, the whole 
edifice of, of this show is to show us very human stories, but there is a strong core of what is right and what is wrong. And in any continuing drama, evildoers, bad doers get booted out, full stop. They might keep returning like Nick Cotton or like Chloe Horobin, but they're not part of the kind of the body politic, not part of the community because mm -hmm. they are fundamentally at odds with the normality of, of everybody else. And one of the genius things about The Archers is that it shows us characters who are fundamentally normal and it shows us all aspects of the greyness of their lives, the mundaneness, the little bits of slight moral ambiguity, but they're utterly normal, but we take against them. Um, you have Adam, you have Helen. So when you have a real villain, that's where the morality, the, the moral rectitude of the whole thing is really reinforced, that they cannot be a part of this thing going forward. Rob Titchener had to go. There is no way that in the constructs of the drama, you could have a character like Rob Titchener still remain part of it day in, day out, after it come out actually what it's done. Apart from the fact that actually it's a village with less than 2,000 people, and you would hightail it out of there. If you're Rob Titchener, you would leave because no one would talk to you. You're going to be literally blackballed from every social convention within the village. If they're serious about painting this out to be a real village with real people, with real concerns, that somebody can be complicit, help it go along. And even if, and as uh, Witherspoon says, he has a, a come to Jesus moment where he goes, oh, you know, this, this is wrong, right? You have to do, he would have to do the right thing and actually leave the village because I'm not going to sit down in the bull and have a drink with somebody who knew that modern slavery was going, going on. And I don't think any other right-thinking citizen of the planet would either. I think I think you're right. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think there's room for him to stick around um, in either scenario. But the, all of this presumes that he's found out by the villagers. There is an there is an alternative where mm -hmm. you know, he he's turned turned to the light and um, done his father in. Um, and I think the most likely scenario for um, Gavin is that he will have some redemption and he'll probably die or he'll suffer some you know terrible injury. Uh, um, in, in trying to do the right thing and prevent his dad from uh, um, killing Kirsty or sort of mm. doing something truly dreadful, or um, the sale of Blake will be the um, the straw that breaks the camel's back and and, and forces Gavin to, to finally confront his father and stop him from doing anything bad. That will protect him in our eyes or the villagers' eyes. But I think you know there there might be something. He'll, he he won't be he won't just be someone who leaves like Rob or um, Philip and goes to jail. I think he might sort of actually die in in doing that and he sort of have a kind of martyr's death. Uh, from Witherspoon, we go to Andrew Horn. Greetings, Earthlings. Andrew Horn here with a couple of observations about this last week. As we heard, there were lots of discussions between different generations. And whilst it was lovely to hear Freddie and Linda and um, less so Alice and Lillian, the one that really struck me was Freddie and Elizabeth. It was lovely to hear their relationship returning to some sort of normality after the strains and the stresses of the last year or so. But the point I really wanted to make, that something that struck me in the last week or so, is I'm not sure I can remember a time in The Archers when there's been almost no storylines around the three 
main farms. Uh, we've had very little about brookers apart since the, f- the first of the monologues. They've faded away. We had a little bit around uh, Bridge Farm, a um, little bit of Nakasha, and the, the bit with the Johnny's haircut and Tony, um, but they've been relatively silent. And um, same at Home Farm. Alice, I suppose, but not very little Brian, um, and I suppose a little bit of Adam with his leg. But the main storylines and have been away from the farms. And and I'm not sure I remember a time where for such a long period, a couple of months now, we haven't really had a main storyline around one of the main farms. And I'd like, I'd like your views on that. Anyway, that's it for me at the moment. Speak to you all soon. Bye. He's right, isn't he? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We have been completely away from the farms and the farm activity from Brookfield, Bridge Farm, Home Farm. Surely they're going to return there soon, I would imagine. The closest we get is the Adam situation, isn't it, really? Kerry, you're you're mm-hmm. famous for not particularly liking the Archer family. Um, it must be, mm-hmm. you know, a really good time for you. Yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got the uh, the birthday bash coming up, haven't we? Yeah. The uh, uh, journey with Jill. Buying her that mixer is a bad, bad idea. I I mean, this woman can bake for England or the world. Does she need an artisan cake mixer? What's an artisan cake mixer, by the way? Yeah, well, she's she's got probably got a right arm like Rafa Nadal, sort of from just you know (laughs) decades of sort of stropping and mixing and uh, kneading. So uh, you know, I really don't think she needs one. Probably. She's 90 years old and she's been a sort of, mm. not always, but recently quite one-dimensional character, even with the introduction of Leonard. We're done. Are we, we, we're done with, with, Andrew, <laughs> with the points of Andrew's call. And that it's the longest mm. time that this has happened in his memory. And, yeah, he, he's completely right about that. Yeah. I wonder, why, why do you think they've done that? I have plot-wise? utterly, utterly no idea. It is called The Archers, but, you know, I mean, I'm I'm kind of on Team Kerry with this. The archers aren't the most likable people in the show, so it might just be an accidental or intentional acknowledgement of that. That you know, if you want to make it a fun show to listen to, don't go to all the annoying people who seem to have some very petty problems. Especially at a time of the coronavirus, do you really want to hear the inside of the various archers' homes as they kind of trot through a bunch of well-rehearsed gripes and um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, petty sort of you know uh, disagreements? No. <laughs> Well, there you go, folks. Uh, let's listen to the archers without listening to the archers. Right, now is Red Agnes. Hi, Royfield and the new gang. Red Agnes here. I'm really sorry I've not been on for ages. I had a massive, massive archer sulk. I just could not take the monologues. Uh, and I was really missing Lucy, so sorry I was a sulky child and disappeared. However, uh, while I was away, I listened to six audiobooks of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Lisbeth Salander is now my new superhero. But I'm back in the room now with The Archers. Sorry I've been away. I also started a new job with the NHS right in the middle of the COVID. How balmy am I? Right, I'm really enjoying it at the moment. I want to make a plot want because plot predictions make you look really stupid when they're wrong. <laughs> My plot want is that Gavin actually becomes the nemesis of the Aldridge family and starts to uh, blackmail Alice and the rest of the family and add to their misery because they bloody deserve it. See you again. <laughs> Gavin becoming the nemesis of the Aldridges because they deserve a- it. Mm. 
Gavin the 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 avenging angel. Yeah, people have have said about this, haven't they? That Gavin, knowing of Alice and that he's he's in a position of power. He is the only person who she's opened up to. Far more, mm-hmm. in fact, to her anonymous um, therapist or kind of the person on the phone. I mean, she's quite cagey with that with with the person on the phone. But with with Gavin, she was very very honest, and to a lesser extent, Lillian. But he does he does have all the goods on her, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, Gavin did know about the boozy breath, didn't he? True, she couldn't hide from that. The hospital must know, surely, about the alcohol levels in her blood. Might Did they? Did they not? Someone on Twitter was talking about that as well. Would they do a blood test and see the level of alcohol in the system? <clears throat> well, I mean, I guess if Gavin's, if Gavin's hauling... Well, it wasn't even the back of the van. It must have been the front of the van anyway. But Gavin's hauling her into the passenger seat of the van and he smells the booze on her. There's no way that the ambulance driver, the, yeah. the person who triages her, the doctor who sort of like, you know... Uh, puts the tongue depressor in and sort of you know does all the usual tests but is that still a thing a tongue depressor anyway um but yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's there's no way that they wouldn't have um wouldn't have sussed it out that you don't mm. need to do a blood test for that so does the clinic woman know all of this then but this is As this you is the mentioned problem. earlier yeah <laughs> no, no, we we you know we're reasonably on a good day intelligent people who know nothing about um uh, nhs procedure yeah, and if she does know, she would have mentioned it in the conversation, surely. Yeah, come on, we know what we're talking about. Yeah, you're a, you know, you you like a drink. Let's cut to the chase. You're wasting my time. It was good to hear from Red Agnes again, though. Who's come out of a massive archer's sulk? Well, I mean, one one I can empathise with. Mm. Uh, now we go other side of water. It's uh, Cranky Yankee. Greetings, Roy Field and Company. This is to say that I am the cranky Yankee calling from New York, where I am not talking about politics ever again on this wonderful crumb of comfort show where I've learned to make flapjacks and all sorts of things. And today it's Jill Archer's 90th birthday. Hooray! It's also my father's 99th birthday. Hooray, hooray for Mm -hmm. him. The best writing of the show for me this week was the honest conversation with Jolene and Fallon about her not wanting to have children and the conversation about Alice and between Alice and Lillian about her being able to drink and her relief at having the alcohol and her slugging it down that wine, drinking wine, spodiote, drinking wine. I like both of those things immensely and I'm missing the Friday and Sunday post but I'm living without them because it's COVID times but I'm loving the four days that I get it and I think that Fallon will end up getting pregnant accidentally and I still think that Alish will end up having a miscarriage accidentally oh well those are my predictions and i love you all and it's great to listen to this show take care (laughs) cranky yankee from new york um her father's 99th birthday it is a good innings isn't it so jolene and fallon conversation yes that was great and alice and lillian she really enjoyed that and loves wine (laughs) (laughs) 
also mentioning the uh, being without the Friday and Sunday shows. There was a lot of conversation about that on Twitter and Kerry Davis got involved to say that it's a long way off, basically. There's no likelihood of that happening anytime Poor soon. Poor Kerry Davis. He does a lot of he does a lot of the kind of um, admin for the show, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Did he get extra money for that? Because he spends a lot of time fielding these questions on Twitter. I doubt he does. Um, and Cranky Yankee believes Alice will miscarry by accident, which will take the whole decision making out of her. I can't think of the word. <laughs> out of her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that would be quite convenient, wouldn't it? Do you find yourself infected by all of the kind of the different theories that swirl around Dumpty Dum? I, I, I'm very, very, very um, susceptible and gullible. So I, I, you know, I'm convinced now of some of the theories that have been bandied around <laughs> that that Emma's going to get pregnant. So I immediately now believe that Fallon's going to get pregnant because Frankie Yankee told me so. So that kind of would make sense that you know Alice, Alice is now racked with guilt, mm. um, distraught that she's lost this baby that she only realised she wanted at the moment of losing it, and of course she doesn't even have the crumb of comfort that she did take her different tinctures oils Mm. vitamins and tablets to try and you know make the best of it yeah to contradict cranky yankee uh so you might believe me or this in this second is i fallon won't get pregnant accidentally she knows no she knows what she wants it's pretty tricky to get pregnant accidentally when you know what you want right as I said, I don't want there to be any complications between Fallon and Harrison, and I hope that Harrison is understanding. Mm. I mean, when I have sort of slightly younger friends who sort of say to me they don't want to have children, mm. I try not to offer any opinions because it's not really helpful or useful. But I do always mention some some friends of mine who got pregnant. I hate that. I hate it when they say the couple got pregnant. Anyway, she got pregnant well into her 40s. And now they just all they wish is that they'd had more children. Mm. And so I just mentioned that, that, you know, that they've got to consider the the potential loss or the fact that there is that closing window. But and I, you know, so those are the people I always remember when I, when I hear people say, oh, I definitely don't want to have children. I always think mm. of my friends who upon having one. But it's, it's impossible to know till you have one, isn't it? So um, I also don't think that a life is is less for not having children. And that really irritates me when I see people. Like the other day I was in the shop and someone was telling me, oh, you've got to have a second. And I felt like saying, piss off, it's none of your business. <laughs> I'm old, my wife's old, we've managed one, now leave us alone. I think Harrison years. will be fine with it, to be honest with you. Do you? I hope yeah, so. Yeah, I've got a feeling that he adores her so much, he'll be cool. She's married her mum. Um, she's going to... Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That would be the responsible thing to do. I mean, is to say, I've married you. I haven't married your reproductive mm-hmm. organs. Mm. Mm. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Now, that's Cranky Yankee. And now we've got another returnee. So just like Red Agnes, she disappeared and left our ear rolls uh, for a few months. So did Young Keith, but he's back too. Hello, Young Keith. Come in. Hello, Young Keith here. Um, been a while. And I can only apologise for that. Not that I'm sure anyone has neither noticed nor cared uh, for my hiatus. It's not been a personal thing. It's not been a Dumpty Dum based thing. It's been an Archers based thing. I've just, I've just fallen out of uh, practice uh, with all the monologues and stuff. I know I, I kind of like them in a way, but I just couldn't keep, keep motivated or interested enough to, to listen. But I'm back. I'm back. I'm hooked Yay. and I'm into it. And um, although um, this will be about, I don't know, two weeks late, I suppose, because I, I think I was listening to the Omnibus from last week, yesterday, 
followed by the latest episode of the Dumpty Dum. Anyway, the point is <laughs> that I was struck by and surprised by and shocked by the fact that Gavin's favourite sandwich was a coronation chicken sandwich. <laughs> and the reason that struck me was because that is my favourite sandwich. <laughs> and that upset me and made me feel like perhaps <laughs> deep down I'm a bit of a psychopathic modern slaver at heart. But I don't think I am. I'm just a primary school teacher. Which is, well, anyway, let's not go down that path. Um, and it got me thinking about what all the other villagers favorite sandwiches might be Ooh. i don't know if this is something that has already been spoken about on the podcast i'm sure it has it seems like a too hot a topic to miss <laughs> but i've been thinking a lot about it it's been plaguing my mind um i'll stop now but uh yes particularly russ i wonder what his favorite sandwich is oh god what a brilliant brilliant call young keith that was i loved that so much <laughs> so the the venn diagram of yes. men who look after emotionally <laughs> unstable needy uh <laughs> needy yeah. people um and you know and and coronation chicken sandwiches that's He's the, right at the center of it <laughs> yeah it's at the nexus yeah i don't know what it says about psychopathy as to what mm -hmm. sandwich is your go-to choice of a lunchtime. But I tell you, and maybe Pete, you can back me up with this. When you're away from Blighty and then you come back, it's little things like being able to get a cheese and pickle sarni, <laughs> which you go, I'm home. Mm. So give me a cheese and pickle sarni. You can't get that in California, uh, let alone coronation chicken. And actually the Americans and the Canadians to, to a lesser degree, don't really go in for Asani. It's it's not uniquely British, mm. but it, but it almost kind of is in terms of just like lunchtime grab a sandwich type of thing. Anyway, yeah. uh, Peter Ficklin, uh, you've you've travelled the globe. What so does uh, sandwich say about someone's mental health? Well, I'm I think that the coronation chicken sandwich is the perfect sandwich for um, a slaver. It was it's it was a culturally appropriated <laughs> culturally appropriate. It's a bit of a bit of curry powder taken taken from abroad from a country we subjugated and then and then trapped in between two vicious slices of bread white bread white bread often exactly so yes i think it's uh, um and so, obviously chi chicken has some you know if you're if you're going to america chicken has some rather unfortunate uh, um, associations with slavery because they were the only um, livestock that the slaves were allowed to own so you know there we are coronation chicken sandwich so why does young keith like it then because he's a slaver. <laughs> he's a psychopath. <laughs> um, so what about other villagers' favourite sandwiches? Um, <laughs> so Russ was mentioned, I yeah. think, deviled quail's eggs um, on a, um, a sort of sli on, on focaccia with um, mm -hmm. sort of maybe dill pickle. Um Lizzie, it would be um, kind of like afternoon tea, lots of different sandwiches for her to taste because she can't make her mind up. Um, sorry, that's a clumsy reference to her dating scene. Jazza sausage sandwich. Yep. No messing around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With mm, ketchup or brown sauce, don't know, maybe mustard. Well, actually, you know, Adam, from a different angle, I mean, Adam, Adam, you know, likes to get around, doesn't he? So maybe sausage sandwich for him as well. Um, but from a you know slightly more <laughs> racy point of view, um, who else? Um, 
can you make could you make a sandwich entirely out of alcohol for Alice? <laughs> sort, of, <laughs> sort of rum rum soaked brioche with kind of I don't know chocolate chocolate liqueur liqueurs in the middle or however you're supposed to say it. Oh, yeah. I like that idea though. We'll have to have more more thoughts on that. Yeah. People Food. can call in with sandwiches for the villagers. That was a beautiful joke on um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia with uh, um, Frank wandering around with a ham that was entirely oh, soaked yeah. in, in alcohol. Yeah. So this was their way of getting drunk in any situation is they'd have one of Frank's rum, you know, rum-soaked hams. <laughs> he <laughs> ends up in the sea with it, something. doesn't he? I love that programme. It is amazing how some shows really do act as a a one element marketing department for a city because Philadelphia is one of those slight overlooked American cities. But that uh, show has been totally taken taken to its heart and has uh, kind of helped with the reemergence of said Philadelphia in a very similar way that the Peaky Blinders has done for the city of Birmingham, just to bring this all <laughs> the way back to the arches. <laughs> anyway, last call, Rinra, it's Elsa. Hi everybody, it's Elsa here. Um, I'm literally halfway through listening to this week's episode of Dum to Dum and uh, I just needed to call in and speak, say something. Um, I'm just in the bit where Royfield and Pete are having a, should we call it, discussion about whether or not we can forgive Gavin. Um, mm -hmm. And to begin with, I was going, oh, well, yeah, he's been manipulated by his dad, blah, blah, blah. And then I thought to myself, Elsa, you're a white woman who has lived in middle-class Berkshire for her whole life. Who, who the hell judge? are you to forgive slave owners? Um, I think that Royfield's very guttural response is completely valid. And um, I don't think that it's up to us as white people to decide whether or not somebody who is enslaving other people can be forgiven. That's all for me. And I'll see you soon. Bye. Elsa, I don't think we ever said we wanted to forgive them, did we? No. Um, and it's now, I've never actually met Royfield in person or you, Kerry, and it's now that I can out myself <laughs> um, as my skin is as dark as ebony. Um, I... <laughs> <laughs> um from the isle of antigua um well no obviously obviously i'm I, i'm being very very silly my my whiteness has been mentioned often and my, as with my Aryanness, i i completely agree with elsa um and i i'd like to think that i'm someone who's learned not to sort of wade into to sort of um enthusiastically with my opinions around around race um and and, and to certainly not to lecture anyone royfield especially about um how they should feel about it you know if they're a person of color but i i don't i think i don't think i ever said i wanted gavin to be forgiven and no. I don't think I ever suggested that I wanted to forgive him. But I do see how in the hurly-burly of mine and Royfield's sort of fairly impassioned back and forth, some of the subtleties of mine and potentially Royfield's argument could have been lost. So I'm apolo no, I apologise. No get... <laughs> my point of view, mate, I was very clear. It's like it's black and white, no pun intended. And, yeah, and the I... dude was just like all utterly wrong. I think, yeah, I think that's, I think if, because I listened to it, I listened to it again. Um, and I think that you had, um, without wanting to analyze it too much and to be too sort of navel gazing, I think you had a very um, clear um, attitude on things 
and I was trying to sort of investigate whether there was some nuance and you did not want to even consider any nuance. And one of the things I wish I'd said last week was, and because you brought up your ancestors afterwards, I think I didn't want to bring up the fact that you were black. I didn't feel it was for me to start saying, well, hey, Royfield, you know, what about your ancestors and stuff? Because I thought that was something that you should bring up. But after you'd brought it up, I wish I had said, <clears throat> uh, not said, because <laughs> to, to Elsa's point, I don't want to tell you what to think. I wish I'd asked you the question, would you have liked your ancestors' voices to have been heard or would you have wanted them to be silent characters off mic? And that was a question I wish I'd asked because that would have perhaps been a way of me asking you to see my perspective, which was wanting to see the grey areas, wanting to hear their, hear their opinions. Um, and that would have been my way of doing it as a question rather than as me sort of telling you what to think. Peter, now... Yes, I did answer um, in somewhat of an emotional way uh, towards the end, but I think taking my ethnicity completely out of it and what that means, I don't think that there is any way fundamentally to re rehabilitate Gavin within the construct of the archers. Um, Witherspoon made the distinction and there's a distinction to be made to a degree that he's the junior slaver, but a slaver he is. And this is probably one of the most odious things that somebody can do in our modern society. Back 500 years ago, with a modern lens, we see this, we see uh, slavery as being totally abhorrent and people who do it as being fundamentally evil but viewed at the time that wouldn't have been viewed as such not within europe not within parts of the arabic world not within parts of west africa various west africans also uh, sold their neighboring peoples however with the modern lens we know that not only is it wrong and inhuman to the people who are enslaved but then also there are generational consequences to slavery so with that in mind, within the construct of this 12-minute drama, there is no rehabilitation that I think Gavin can go through. We don't have the time and we're not invested in him as a character. Now, off mic, you did say, and I think it's a fair point that Frederick Douglass, that famous African-American um, leader in the late 19th century, that's one of the reasons why um, he was such an powerful and eloquent voice was because he could talk about his time as a slave and bring his story out to the world. We don't need any kind of moral equivalency here at all. This is 2020 and we know that slavery is wrong. What Frederick Douglass actually did was people who hadn't thought about slavery, that thought that slaves were subhuman, so then it didn't matter that they were in bondage. He proved that a slave was a human being. So it's not the same example to use in, in this, in, in this uh, example at all. We know that Blake and Kenzie are human beings. Every right-thinking human being in 2020 knows that. They don't have to prove their humanity to us. We just know that the people who have them in bondage are wrong. There you go. 
it's one of those tricky things isn't it because it's not slavery is tricky the, 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 <laughs> mora- the morality is binary these are bad bad people do slavery and good people mm-hmm. are against slavery maybe the whole reason that they they have a plot about modern slavery is that not all of us have learned the lessons from the past and not all of us have fully taken on board uh, the fact that it still happens and that these people are you know, not just diminished, not just exploited, but owned. And so, yes, I, I, I do hear you. But because we have such a, a painful awareness of the history, you know, we don't we don't need to learn that lesson. But maybe there are people out there who do. So, but fundamentally, I don't disagree with anything you said. To Elsa's point, the last word should not go to me. Although I have a sneaky feeling it might do. Oh no, no, okay. no, 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 it won't, yeah. it won't, because what I would say, and I, I, I think I said this last week, and if I didn't, I definitely meant it. This is where the writing team of the Archers utterly excel, because here is somebody who I would say is pretty rotten. I'm not going to say Gavin is rotten to the core, but he's pretty rotten. But we can, as listeners if we forget about what he's engaged in, say he's not a bad guy. To write a character with such a glaring character flaw, but for you to be able to forget and listen to the drama and go, well, he helped Alice, he's not so bad. Oh, you know, he's sitting down with Alice and he's opening up and I kind of understand him as a person. We should never forgive slavers you know it's a very obvious thing to say but they've allowed us that a certain level of moral ambiguity and that's just great writing that's just great writing have you gone no no, no i'm I just, oh. I just said i'm not gonna have the last word so i'm not gonna have the last word all right smashing yeah. all right <laughs> on to kerry warburton yes <laughs> can we have some emails thank you very much oh, please we- can indeed yeah we have two this week royfield um the first one is from jeff arnold and the subject is black characters in the archers oh not more black people (laughs) 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 he says hello all i'm a recent convert to dumpty dum but a long time listener to the archers i started the week after doris archer's funeral and have barely missed an episode since I was interested when listening to Dumpty Dum this week to hear a discussion about the possibility that Lee could be a black character. The interesting thing was how this should be explained within the programme. This is something the Archers dealt with way back in the early 1980s. For a short time in the early 80s, there was a character named Julie. Julie was loud and extrovert and game for a laugh. She came from Birmingham and worked for a while as a barmaid at the Bull. She also had a relationship with Neil Carter in the days before he was seeing Susan. Everyone in the village was astounded by this relationship, which I took to be because Julie was such an outgoing character and such a contrast to the quiet, introverted Neil. Years later, I read that Julie was black. I remember a quote from someone, possibly a writer or maybe William Smethurst, the producer at the time, who said they didn't know how to get this message across, short of writing a scene where Julie walked down the street singing, Oh, Dem Golden Slippers. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine. I live Um, in Catford and I'm so sick of that song. Yeah. It's all I ever hear. I hear it all the time. It's Oh, Dem Golden Slippers. Yeah. (laughs) 
Unfortunately, the same article admitted that in their attempts to portray this situation naturally and subtly, the whole point of it had gone over a lot of people's heads. So not just me then. It didn't help that Julie was played by Catherine Hurlbut, who was basically a busy actress on radio and TV at the time and not black. Oh, I sometimes think the portrayal of Usha was over the top in an effort to make sure we never missed her ethnicity. But maybe the failure of Julie to even register with many listeners left a scar. From now on, I'll be listening to see if Lee starts singing. (laughs) All the best, Jeff Arnold. Well, I mean... It's a serious point. The, the the whole we we did touch on this very briefly last week, but that positive stereotypes are definitely something that needs to be talked about more in terms mm. in, the, in the discussion about heritage and the damage it does. The Asian kid who's amazing at maths, um, you know, um, uh, Roy Field has somehow managed to resist uh, exploiting his brilliant dancing abilities and mm. you know uh, um, pitch perfect voice and uh, you know uh, find a career in history. You know, you know, democratizing history. Uh, so, and, and another thing to, to sort of basically sort of building on what Elsa was saying earlier on, what, what one way they can have their cake and eat it is maybe the black character could come into the village, and then you, they could have the 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 um the discussion that happened. I heard about the other day where a a, a grandson patiently explains the difference between Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter to a grandfather. So it can happen in the white home and then the, the, the black or character or the person of colour in the in in the um in Ambridge doesn't have to be have to deal with it themselves. So they basically one of the things that has been said by a lot of black people about about Black Lives Matter is, you know, it's it's all this is up to white people. We've done our bit. We've been saying this for generations. But now you have seen it. Can you please all go away and do something? And that could be something they could do. Have the conversation amongst white people and leave the black people alone. Or have them involved if that's appropriate. Mm. An interesting, really interesting email, I thought. Yeah. Um, sorry um, to be to, to white explain a bit more about this, but um, mm. slightly geeky comment that I did say before the show. But there has actually been a black character in the last week, and that was the well, as a black actress anyway, because we had a black character played by a white actress, and we have a, as yet um, uh, unexplained heritage of the therapist who Alice talks to is played by a black actress. Um, the archers from the days of William Smethurst to now, they have uh, developed the tools of actually how to do this subtly but if you know what you're listening for you get it because remember Nola Tando was accused by Lily as being just a little bit street which is totally code for being black we are classy and you're not and uh, and Nola Tando let her have it with both barrels so without saying Without having a character, I don't even know that, you know, singing them golden slippers and whatever. That is a generational (laughs) divide there, uh, email uh, writer. But without, you know, um, somebody singing Bob Marley and playing reggae and something incredibly crass and like that, Mm. you can talk about race in a very coded but very out there way. And And I thought that was just great with uh, Lily's uh, line to to Nola Tando, because even the character of Lily could be mistaken in thinking, well, all I said was that you're just a little bit street. What does that really mean? But it was completely and utterly racially loaded. Yeah. yeah. It absolutely was. So, it, it, so they have learned the way of actually how to um, 
confront these issues now, I would say. But uh, Nola Tando was only briefly in the show. It'd be really good if we had a character, which, and I don't believe that Lee is uh, black, but whatever on that front, if we had a character who was in the show of which, on the one hand, we could display their normality. You don't mention race all the time, but every now and then their culture is a subject for discussion, a subject for a storyline. So their culture as opposed to their race. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I then I think it would be I think it would be enjoyable. Auntie Gary Warburton, do you have another email, we please? We do, and it's a very brief one, thank goodness. <laughs> um it's from Christine Narramore. And she has a plot prediction and says she's a second time writer in era. My plot prediction, Alice, there will be a fetal abnormality on the scan, probably due to fetal alcohol syndrome. Alice will decide to have an abortion, but Chris will argue against and be very upset about the whole thing, especially having been born with a cleft palate. And am I unusually... Oh, and am I unusually? I have three degrees, but barely drink nowadays. Ah, right. Okay. Am I unusual? So there's a typo. She has three degrees, but barely drinks. So that's going back to our highly educated women drinking all the time. So, yeah. Thank you, Christine. Oh, mm. I just I just looked it up. I mean, I, I completely believed it. But yes, it seems that is a there is a correlation between cleft palates well, I... and, um, and drinking um, during pregnancy. I mean, fetal alcohol syndrome, let's be specific, sorry. I mean, excessive drinking. Uh, so Christine Narimore saying that she doesn't drink as much as someone with three degrees, who is a woman, perhaps ought to, um, according to Mary Not Contrary, who did put links up onto Twitter very helpfully. If you want to find them, she's at, at Not Contrary on the Twitters. So it, they're from the OECD, and it's the OECDI Library. And they did uh, a set of papers on working in education and education, alcohol use and abuse amongst young adults in Britain. But they, they did go country by country. So what the article does is to explain the relationship between education and alcohol consumption and whether the probability of abusing alcohol differs across different educational groups. So there's a British cohort study which was done starting from somebody's birth date in 1970 and then they've uh, kind of extrapolated the data from there. But as I said, they also, because the OECD is obviously um, a UN body, so what they've done is then not just look at Britain but also look at Canada and other developed economies as well. And there is a link, they say, between uh, the higher educational attainment of females and their alcohol consumption. Cool. I will read that this evening. Awesome. Is that the end of our second email, Auntie? It is. Gary it is. Yes, yes, it is. All right, then. So now it's time for some tip-top socials. And it's our Lillian, who's been sunning herself. I think she was in Greece. If, if you follow Lillian on social media, you'll be getting all manner of tweets and posts about her and her partner entering into quizzes and karaoke's and all sorts mm -hmm. down there in Corfu. They had a right royal time. Glad you're back, Lillian. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, 
and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. It's time for the socials. Hello, everybody. It's Lillian here, um, fresh back from my holidays in Corfu. I'm back in lockdown Middlesbrough, bringing you this week's social media roundup. And we start off this week with some sad news from the Academic Archers group. We were all very saddened to learn of the death of John Potham, who has contributed quite a bit to the Archers, Academic Archers conferences by live streaming the conferences. And I think he'll be greatly missed at the next conference, which I understand is going to be online. Back in the Dumpty Dump group, Carolyn Wright was wondering where the flat is that the horses are kept in. Anna Fry thinks that Philip's voice is Moni and feels sorry for Kirsty as she tries to keep positive and upbeat. Christy Nicole asks, does anyone believe 
the discussion between Alice and Lillian regarding her drinking while she's pregnant. And I think we were all quite shocked. But in Lillian's defence, I do think that she isn't fully aware of the extent of Alice's alcohol problem, where I doubt whether she would be giving her that sort of advice. Sarah Evans asks, what is the point of a gooseneck kettle? And I actually wondered that as well. It sounds like something that Russ would buy. And I was actually asking somebody what to describe what a gooseneck was, and I still can't imagine what on earth use it would be um, for a kettle, but there you go. Mia Fox asks, how annoying is Chris? That's something that's been expressed by many people in all of the groups, in both academic archers and in Dumpty Dum group. So I think we're all a bit annoyed by his attitude and not listening. Liz Newman in Academic Archers is glad that the Archers is exploring the issue of young women not wanting children. However, she hopes this does not split up Fallon and Harrison. Much discussion took place about this in Academic Archers. It provoked quite a lot of differing views about the rights and wrongs of wanting and not wanting children. Many people thought that this should be discussed before marriage. But as I pointed out, it may be that you want children, but then find out later that you can't have them. And where does that leave your marriage in terms of the promise you made and you can't keep it? Carolyn Wright has favoured us with another of her excellent Vintage Archers series. So do go on and have a look. They are really good. Also, don't forget Friday the 9th of October, DTD Live on Zoom party. Tanya Dempster wonders, did Philip put the house in joint names? And is there a danger that it could be confiscated because of his criminal activity, should this be discovered? Oh, that's horrible thought. Poor Kirsty, ending up homeless. Eva Canton in Academic Archers says she can't believe Alice didn't take to Google to check information re-alcohol during pregnancy. Well, that would have meant accepting that she had a problem and I don't think she's quite at that point yet. Also, she is shocked that she would take antenatal advice from Lillian on the subject. Well, yes. Right, now the last thing that I need to impart is about the polls. There was no poll at the beginning of the week on Facebook. However, on our flick chat, there was a poll that Royfield put on. The question that was asked was, why did you become an Archers fan? 52% said it was through inheritance. 0% said it was through coercion, so that's good. 43% said it was by accident. Um, And 4% said it was misfortune. Oh, dear. Finally, my Friday poll went on on Friday, of course. And the question that I asked was, when would you prefer the omnibus to be broadcast? So do go on and have a look at that and vote. 
And I do see that some people have already been doing that. So that's brilliant. Right, that brings me to the end of my roundup for this week. So all keep safe and have a good week. Bye-bye. Thank you for that, Lillian, my dear. Peter. Yes. This is your moment, sir. You know, what I love about you is the intellectual honesty that you always bring to the show. You've outed yourself. (laughs) You've come out Uh, of that racist closet. You know, you're letting that sun, you know, hit to you, uh, you know, and and you're just embracing that. But also... You're quite good on the Twitters. Well, and uh, you like you. a joke, sir. So why don't you hit us with some funny tweets? Well, so I had about a bit of back and forth with the uh, the writer of the first one. Oh, sorry, my traditional my traditional intro. I was so excited, Royfield, by all of your flattery, your kind, kind words. I, I forgot to do the beginning. Yes, gold, silver, bronze. In that order, as traditional, starting with uh, no opposite way. Bloody hell! I, I'm t- I've, this whole racism thing has got me very, very uh, worried and upset. Anyway, starting with bronze, as is traditional. Um, John Porter at pie and a pint, all spells as, as you'd reckon. Oh, actually, with an H for John. Um, and he hasn't confirmed who this is about, but I, I am such an admirer of the man quoted that I decided to go ahead with it anyway. Um, so in bronze place, so this is actually why it's bronze. If it, if it hadn't been for the not knowing who it was about, it might have been gold. So as the great Peter. Said, I've learned from my, my many mistakes and I'm confident I could repeat them exactly. So I said to him, Alice, Elizabeth, Freddie, applies to them all, and he's just said he loved, uh, loves, uh, someone else said they love Peter Cook. But anyway, so I, I don't know who it was about, but I think it could apply to virtually anyone in any of the plot lines. And now at silver position, we have the, um, the Dumpty Dummer, Glyn Full of Love, um, and in like Glyn and here he comes with, um, can Jazza take over Brexit negotiations, please? Because, yes, I mean, I voted I voted um, Remain, but if Jazza had been in charge of uh, um, negotiating with Europe, I would have definitely voted Leave because we would have got a lot. Um, that's based on this week's shenanigans. Guys, are you there? We, we, did, we, we didn't talk about that, did we? <laughs> no, we, we, it's um, <laughs> that's Jazza um, getting the amount of beer that he did at Joe Lee oh, and then yes. stuff Six out pints. of, yeah, 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 yeah. Out of Jacob as well. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. We didn't well, speak uh, about that, did we? No, 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 not at all. No, it has been it has been very packed recently, hasn't hasn't it? Um, by the way, Glenn, I laughed a lot, even if I did have to ask them <laughs> if they were there. Um, <laughs> and and also, you know what it's like, Peter. That, exactly, used, that yeah. happened to uh, me for weeks. Also, 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 Glenn, um, we have had some serious technical problems uh, just 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 before this, so that was also yeah. part of it. So don't don't take that too personally. Um, and and we're together as well, so we, we're you know comrades in um, lack of laughter. So Christ, <laughs> here we are. So uh, gold position, Royfield puts in the dramatic bed and it is at a bit buddish at i'm buddish is he one of your favorites kerry yeah. did you used to do a bit, oh there we are I've, I've, and um, so he says excellent lindy's found an impetus and robert's lost his impotence <laughs> so it sounds it sounds like a, a bit of a, that kind of like semi-rapping from hamilton which i do not like but anyway that's a whole separate conversation mm. but yeah so anyway a bit buddish at goal in gold position awesome yeah right um, now it's admin time, so Andrew Horn, you can switch off now. Nothing more <laughs> to see here, sir. All right, dumdum.com, go there. It's got a shop, it's got other things you can do on there as well. Really good uh, to see that people are starting to leave the odd comment underneath the posts uh, that Cosmo does. Uh, not only did Rosie Porty uh, post and say, well done uh, for the NHS staff for helping save our Cosmo, uh, but other people are starting to leave. Uh, 
messages there too. So you can, yeah, that's one of the wonderful things you can do on com. Go there, leave a post or go there and buy a mug from the shop. Dundurum.com, we do it for shits and giggles. Excuse the French. We do it for uh, giggles, uh, fundamentally. But putting this whole edifice together uh, doesn't come exactly for gratis. So um, if you would like to uh, be one of the cool dudes that helps out, you can do that by one of two ways. You can go onto patreon.com and donate to US dollars per show. And then that uh, comes to us by the magic of Patreon. And uh, and then when bills need to get paid, like hosting or speak pipe, etc., I've got the money to be able to pay for it. And it keeps the whole podcast running along. So that's patreon.com. Uh, another way you can help the podcast is by writing us a uh, review. Now, I always say, you know, just be honest. And uh, whew, we've had some honesty recently. Uh, that this podcast has changed and uh, there's no two ways about it that after six years of uh, doing it one way all things have to come to an end some people have embraced that a few people have said bloody hell it's changed it has changed uh why don't you go on to uh, a podcatcher of your choice preferably apple itunes because the most influential one and talk about how you feel about uh, the new setup the new regime the new gang if you think that it it works Yay, it works. And if you think that it doesn't, so sorry. Now, Auntie Kerry Warburton. Yes. Why don't you tell people how they can get in contact with us? Yes, remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203-031-3105 to leave a message or send a text message starting with DUM to 077-862-00690. Twitter tweets donald trump loves twitter <laughs> i love twitter too but i don't love donald trump peter how do you feel about donald trump um oh god it's complex isn't it i think well you're a white supremacist aren't you so you you <laughs> should like him i think you just well, actually, I, yeah more sorry, sorry. So in this sorry let me yeah, sorry i just promised i've got to be more racist you're right uh big fan <laughs> love him uh being being 100 serious i think he is the he's the elephant in the room people should be looking at mitch mcconnell or lindsey graham the enablers they're the real evil in america um uh, donald trump is the 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 expression he's the he's the symptom but the real problem is not donald trump yeah. I think Mitch McConnell will go down in the annals of American history as being someone with incredible political skills and he's used them for all the wrong yeah. purposes. He's completely on the wrong side of history. He's awful. And that is the reason why he's fighting so hard because demographically the America that he would like America to be is actually fading and fading pretty fast. But in terms of a pure political operative being to date, the stun stunningly the most successful American politician for a generation. You had your Newt Gingrich's, you had your Pat Robinsons in um, in the nineties who shouted and had a whole load of hot air. Mitch McConnell has got things done very yeah. quietly. He's, you he, know, he, oh. he, I don't think I could be that cynical, and I don't think I could be that hypocritical, and I don't admire him for it, but. You have to acknowledge how effective he's been. So, so folks, um, there we are. We were talking about Twitter and uh, we end up talking about Mitch McConnell. And you can go onto Twitter and talk about Mitch McConnell, what, what you think of his politics and what you think he's done to skew for generations to come, potentially the outcome of American uh, legal battles because of his packing of the Supreme Court on Twitter, Peter. Somebody wants to talk to you about Mitch McConnell. How can they find you? <laughs> um, Pete Fickling. 
now Auntie Kerry Warburton. Mm. I don't know if you're deep in the deep into the mire with American politics like Peter and I. Are you? I'm very much not deep. No, I'm very shallow. <laughs> uh, what, what are you deep into? Say somebody just wants to tweet at you. Right, oh. give us a topic that they could maybe tweet at you. Good heavens, it's all manner of shite, uh, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, I can help. There's a programme on Sunday mornings called, well, it's Saturday, called something like Rampage or Run Around. Run Around, that's around. it. <laughs> Kerry loves a bit of Run Around. Um, yes, so, I do. Aye. Making IKEA chairs, that was a big I, hit this week. You got I a did, lot of action out of that. I did do a tweet about Donald Trump yesterday. Was it yesterday? A picture of it, you know, when he's writing on that blank piece of paper. And I wrote my own version of what he was writing. Awesome. And I'm at so, Kerry Wise. Yeah. Mm, right, can I just say about the tweeting aspect, going back to Twitter, I know it's sort of out of kilter, but um, mm. to remember if you are tweeting about the archers to use the capitalised hashtag of oh, yes. hashtag the archers. So you do the capital T with the and the capital A for the archers or one word because it helps visually impaired people who use their screen readers without doing the capitals. It, it just reads like a string of gobbledygook, the word. So lots of people have been doing this for a while, but I was asked to do a bit of a reminder about that. So hashtag capital the capital archers. And of course, folks, if you want to congratulate me for doing not one, not two, but three podcasts, which I've actually released today and recording a fourth, if you want to like say, hey, Royfield, bloody hell, mate. How do you find the time to do it? I'll tell you how to find the time to do it. If you're in quarantine, 14 days in Canada, all by yourself, your own family can't even come and see you. The closest they can come is to your front door and just drop things off and then call you on your phone. We have, have noticed, Royfield, you. normally you're as, you're as easy to connect as those poor astronauts stranded on the dark <laughs> side of the moon. <laughs> Apollo, <laughs> Apollo 13 just floating through space with all, you know, powered in a powered down capsule. This week, <laughs> hello, how are you? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it takes two weeks of quarantine to be able to get in touch with you. <laughs> well, folks, you can find me um, if you want to say hi, uh, because I'm quite lonely, actually, um, as, as uh, Peter and Kerry have alluded to. Uh, on Twitter, by quite simply finding me at Royfield, R-O-I for India Field. And then, of course, uh, the whole kit and caboodle, we're on there too, at dum dum And then, of course, a Facebook. Now, I normally go on like a two-minute one-man rant about Facebook. I won't do that this week because, you know what, if you keep saying the same thing over and over, people become deaf to it. They become blind to it. So all I'm going to say is go to Facebook. Yeah, There's things you can do on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things you can do on Facebook is find Dumdy Dum on Facebook. So if you're in the mind for a little bit of Dumdy Dum whilst you're on Facebook, do that then. On Facebook, do Dumdy Dum. Oh, that's it. 350th episode of Dumdy Dum, which... I know Cosmo is a, is an accountant, so he's a bean counter, and he will know we've done many more episodes than 350, but there's 350 which we've called Dum De Dum the podcast. Um, so hopefully see you on Friday, 7 o'clock UK time, for a little bit of knockabout fun. Uh, Sonny's going to be there. Uh, we're going to have Quentin and, and Rosie Porty. Uh, they're going to be there too, so there'll be a little bit of class. Because because Quentin's there and he's um, it's, it's, it's so smooth, it's so smooth. <laughs> uh, Peter, yes. Do you like me? Do you like quiver 
in uh, Quentin's wake because I must admit he's <laughs> he's the man I want to be. Buttery smooth voice. <laughs> It doesn't have also Royfield. You know, you and I similar but different. But one thing we have in common: slightly needy. Quentin is so. <laughs> so there's a kind of quiet confidence to him, kind of like yeah. David Niven esque. Yeah, mm. he's not a needy man. No. Mm. Ooh, I come over all peculiar when I think of Quentin. <laughs> right, folks. I'll see you on Friday. Uh, bring bring booze or in it. Oh, but if you can't bring booze, just bring just bring liquid refreshment. Uh, you know, and bring a happy and sunny demeanour. It's the three hundred fiftieth of these things. We're gonna have a laugh. And if you've got a talent of some sort, bring that also. All right, that's uh, goodbye from me. Don't forget your tiara, Royfield. Oh, I tell you yeah, what, I don't have it with. Hey. Hey, hey. <laughs> well done, Peter. Well done. <laughs>